So let's look at Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throngs. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, and therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of the Hermon, from Mount Mizbar. Deep calls to deep, and the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, and I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Father, I pray that you would help us as we have opened your word, that we open our hearts, our lives for you to speak to us and minister in us this morning. There are those who are walking a similar path as David this morning, and we know that you want to meet them in a special way. To bring light and life and hope, and joy. And Lord, there may be many others here today that, that, that are not walking this road, and yet there are people all around us that are. And I pray that you would help us this morning to hear your voice on how we can come alongside those who are walking, those who are in this pit, and to help and not hurt. To be your hands and feet. And to speak words of life. So allow us to hear. Not just with our head but with our hearts. And for us to respond to you this day. Manifest your presence. Fall upon us. Holy Spirit fill and move. Anoint me to speak. But anoint each and every one of us to hear. Afresh and anew your word for us this day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We've been coming back to talking about fighting for joy as we finish out this year. Fighting for joy. Last week we talked about fighting for joy as we walk through the valley. That valley where death is cast its shadow. The valley of, of grief, so to speak. And one of the things about walking through a valley and, and sometimes just in life and the things that happen is that we need to be careful. Because there are days where, and I don't know what it's like when you came, but this morning the fog was pretty heavy. 
or mist or whatever you call it around here. I don't know if there's a special name for it uh, coming off the waters. But, you know, the fog, it's, uh, it's pretty thick. And if you don't watch where you're going and watch cars coming here and there, it, it can be dangerous. Well, as we walk through a valley, as we walk through this life that is hard, oftentimes there is this mist across things, and it's easy to end up falling into a pit. You know, it was one thing to be in a valley. Now, I'm in a pit, which is really where David is at in many ways. As you look at Psalm 42 here, and you, verses 5 and 11 are similar to one another. Let's look at verse 5. He says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. He, he start, starts talking there about, uh, Why are you downcast? That word means to be bowed down, to be despairing, to be depressed. And this is not some fleeting feeling that he has. He says it's, it's, at, it's his soul he's speaking to. It. Right down at the very core of his being, he is experiencing a dark night of his soul. And then he says not just that he is somehow downcast, but disturbed within him. This word has to do with a, kind of a, an inside noise, a, a growl, an agitated, disquieted state. Not angry, just unsettled. What he is talking about here in Psalm 42 is something so much deeper than he did in Psalm 23. What he's talking about here is so much deeper than just being down in the dumps. Rather, it feels like being trapped in a pit, a pit of depression, which goes beyond being sad. And we need to grasp that this morning. I know to many of this the same thing. I'm sad, I'm depressed. No. And it's important to recognize the difference in our fight for joy. So how do we fight for joy when we fall into a pit of depression? Today we're going to look at Psalm 42 and, and from here notice two keys that it takes to fight for joy. Two keys, two overall things and there'll be some other things that go in it. And if you're keeping notes, the first key is this. We need to stop the slide down further into the pit. We need to stop the slide down further into the pit. You know, whether I'm the cause of why I'm in the pit or not, doesn't necessarily matter. What I need to recognize is that there are certain things that, even if I didn't cause this, there are certain things I need to do that will affect whether I'm going to slide further down into this pit and spiral down or not. And one of the first steps that we need to grab a hold of is to stop this slide downward by recognizing that we are actually in a pit. And that what we do matters. Because sometimes we don't even know we're in the pit, that we even fell in, and then the stuff we do just takes us deeper and deeper. First, just wake up and see where we are at. David himself is doing that. He's recognizing where he's at in verse 5 as he's saying, Why are you so downcast? He's speaking to himself. Why so disturbed? There's something not right here. What's going on? I've fallen. Instead of just pretending like it's no big deal. 
Oh, let me write a nice psalm here. Let's do some joy. Oh, you know, I'm just enjoying life. And oh, life is good. And no, he's, he's not saying that. He's recognizing, admitting. Where's that? And in that, help to catch ourselves before we start spiral down into something that's too deep. The psalmist says in another place, weeping may last a night, but joy comes in the morning. There's eventually a break for those who are in the valley, for those who are in the dump, down in the dumps, where sadness is just a normal part of life, first off, right? Sadness is just a normal part of life. You have those things. You get a break through the valley. But here's the thing. For those who are in the pit, it doesn't feel like there is a break. There is a deeper sadness that's not just strong, but it lasts long. And it doesn't go away. And if we're not careful, we end up sliding down farther in. Look at verses 6 and 7. We were just reading 5. Uh, as we read on, my soul, in verse 6, my, my God, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of the Hermon, from Mount Mizmar. Deep calls to deep, in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. There are times when our present problems, especially thinking of verse 7 there, where our present problems seem like they're just too much. We seem to be drowning in wave after wave of problems that are happening. That is, I think, different than what Dave is talking about here. When he's talking about wave after wave, the breakers are sweeping over me. You see, it's possible to have a situation. In a sense, it's possible to experience joy and peace in the midst of a hurricane. And I find the eye. It's possible to experience joy in the midst of that hurricane. In other words, our happiness does not have to be based on what is happening in our life. And so for David, it's not so much that thing after thing just keeps happening to him. But rather, I think what he's getting at here is that it is wave after wave of sadness, of sorrow, of, of overwhelming emotions that are just flooding over top of him that becomes so difficult for those in the pit. It's not just about what's happening outside. It's about what's happening inside that makes the difference between someone in a valley and someone in the pit. And for us to recognize that. Trapped. There. Surrounded. It's possible for someone in a pit of depression to be surrounded by waters that are completely calm. And yet, they are completely wrecked. Part of the difference between sadness and depression. There may be uh, times where you know, everything's fine, but I'm horrible. We feel like David in verse 5 saying, why am I so troubled? Why? Why am I feeling this way? It doesn't make any sense. There's nothing wrong in my life, and yet I feel like everything's wrong. If we're going to stop the slide downward 
into the pit, we've got to discern whether what we're experiencing is a normal life sadness or whether it is something that is deeper than the valley it is a pit of depression. Last week, in, we noted in John 11, even Jesus wept. That happens. What we're talking today is not about feeling blue. It's about something much darker. What David's going through here even goes beyond feeling down. It affects not only our our concentration, but in the way we think about things in life. And not just affects our thinking, but it affects us physically and relationally. It impacts us in a big way when we're in the pit. And it happens more common than we realize among people all over. And it happens even in believers getting depressed. We read about what's going on with Psalm 42 here. David, a man after God's own heart. And he's talking like this. Look at other places like Psalm 6, verse 6 and 7. I am weary with moaning every night. I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. There are many others within the word of God as well that experience a deep sadness, a depression like Elijah. I mean, and it didn't make any sense. There was a major battle, a major victory, major miraculous thing happened. And yet he just... Forget it. So down to just give up life itself. Or Jeremiah, the weeping prophet he's called. Was familiar with the pit of depression. There are different types of degrees, and and whether it's a situational depression or more severe to a major depression that can even incapacitate a person. This is not something we're saying we need to recognize where we're at, but it's not something we can figure out the severity of on our own. That's not something that it just something we figure out. That's something we need to. Uh, get a, a doctor that can help us discern exactly where we're at. And in saying that, getting that checkup, it's important because sometimes depression, feeling that depression has a root or a cause in something physical that's going on. And it's more of a sign, not the cause of what's going on. And needing to get that help. Let's go back to verse 3 as we're talking about this. In verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. Here it is. What he's saying. It's going on day and night. This weeping. This, this, this period in this pit. It's not just sad, but it just doesn't end. It, it, it's something that happens. And what we're catching what we can catch from this. He's saying, day and night I'm weeping. So therefore, what is he not doing at night? He's not sleeping. And oftentimes that's where we can find ourselves. And if we don't get sleep, we get tired and then we get exhausted and that leaves us more overwhelmed. That leaves us even more emotional. It leaves us even more depressed and it creates an even greater slide down into the pit. So to help stop that slide, we, uh, whether we feel like it or we can't, whether we feel like we can or not, we need to get sleep. 
And you'd be surprised, some people who felt like they were in this pit, and it just when they actually got sleep, and some of them, I, I can think of times where somebody slept for two days straight, came out of that, and life was brighter. So much so. By the way, this is a good place to mention that a potential sign of being in the pit is when we are sleeping too much. Not really like, I don't know why I'm so tired. Why am I doing this? But also kind of like, I don't want to get out of bed, ever. A loss of interest in things that you once enjoyed. Uh, Someone who's not just down in the dumps temporarily uh, because that person usually can, that's down in the dumps temporarily can usually function in some way. They're, they're able to manage through life. They make it through, but the person who has fallen to that bottom of that pit gets to the point where they can't even do that. We also see in verse 3, as he's saying, my tears have been my food day and night. Which leads us to think what? I'm not eating, right? He's not eating. And that can happen. It can happen when certain crises happen in our life where it's like, you know what? I got to deal with this. I don't have time to eat right now. Okay, that's walking through the valley. Or it can be, you know what? What just happened makes me so sick that I'm not sure I could even eat and keep it down. I'm just so sick about what's happened. That can still be a valley thing. But there is that point in the pit where it's just a loss of appetite and I don't want to eat. Don't care if I ever eat. I mean, think about the difference. Think about the difference of someone who's sad over the breakup of a relationship. And what's the, the prototypical kind of way, you know, somebody's sad over the breakup of a relationship. What do they do? Grab a half gallon of ice cream and eat it all. Rocky Road. I don't know what you eat. I don't eat ice cream. You know, I'm going to eat that. You know, you, you, you say, you know, you, yes, sad, but it, that's a difference than going to someone who's depressed. It's like, whew, I want any part of any of that. Understand that difference. And the problem is, if we don't eat, Again, just like anything else, then we're not getting strength physically. We're not putting fuel in the engine in a difficult time that we need to be moving forward. It causes us to be weak physically, which causes us to be weak emotionally, which means that we then slide even more down in being depressed and deeper into the spiral, into the pit. So to stop the slide, whether we feel like it or not, we need to eat. And eat healthy. To stop the slide, to not just allow our tears to be our only food. Have you ever noticed that if you've been physically sick for a long time, a really long time, we're just dragged out, that it doesn't just affect you physically. You start to feel it emotionally down. I mean, a couple days of a cold is one thing. Weeks and weeks of just never getting over this. It drags down. It affects you. The physical and the mental are connected. All of this. And there are certain kind of illnesses that have a direct correlation to depression. Uh, certain kinds of illnesses that are more susceptible to a pit of depression, like heart disease or chronic fatigue syndrome or cancer or Parkinson's disease and so many others. 
I, I can't tell you how many times through my ministry that I have seen these rough and tough guys completely taken by surprise after heart surgery by the flood of emotions, especially deep sadness that they had never in their life ever come close to experiencing but we're not told about the connection there in that happens oftentimes to those who have heart surgery. This is not me. I don't understand. Yeah. It's connected to all this. Recognize this. And so therefore, you not feel the guilt. Therefore, you don't feel all the rest of the stuff. You recognize, okay, I, I understand this a little bit better, which helps me to keep from sliding down further in what's going on. As well, there, there are things that physically can cause chemical imbalances within our brain so that it doesn't function in a healthy way. That are, you know, I think of our bodies not, so too our brain is a part of our body. We're not going to exist without it. <clears throat> You know, so too with the chemical imbalances within our brain that is not functioning in a healthy way can experience that pit of depression because of that or other mental illnesses. There are things along the way that we can do the slot, the slide, and first and foremost is being aware of those connections and understanding. The next part of verse 3 there, it says, My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? He mentions that later as well about those who, towards the end, uh, in verse 10, my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? So you understand what kind of people are saying that to him. This deals with another part of stopping the slide down deeper into the pit, as it deals with other people who are not so much a help when life has got you down. In fact, they seem to help kick us back into the pit just as we feel like we're getting to the top. Stopping the slide downward deals with who are you listening to? Including those people around who are saying, Hey, where's your God? You say you're trusting God. But look at how much a mess your life is. You say you're trusting God. Look at how much a mess you are. Or others, where is God now? You, you believe in God? Then why are you so depressed? I thought Christians were supposed to be joyful always. And yet, if that's where real Christians are always, why does it seem like he has to tell us that a lot of times in the Word of God? There is an awful lot of talking about being joyful and rejoicing. Otherwise, if that's really the way we are all the time, there's no point in continuing to talk about it. In fact, there's no point in the joy of the Lord. We need to recognize it's not helpful to simplistically at the top of our comfortable place on the pit to yell down to someone at the bottom and say, Hey, I think you need to smile some more down there. Come on. Come on. Come on. You just need to be happy, happy, happy. Yeah. Can you hear me down there? Come on. Be happy. That seems a little ridiculous the way I did it, but you know what? That happens. That's what happens. I think that's just it. It only makes the pit deeper for someone if they're listening, and that's why we need to choose who we listen to. 
He may not be able to relate to somebody that's in the bottom of a pit of depression. Maybe you've never been there. Maybe you're not wired that way, but watch out, pride comes before the fall. And someday things happen. How do you help them like Jesus helps them? Because this kind of, hey, you must not be trusting God, or hey, it must be because of some sin in your life kind of thinking also questions anybody taking any kind of medicine to help with depression. You know, because, you know, that's just not the right way. That's not what Christians should do. Okay, well, I hope those people saying that are also not taking aspirins for headaches or any kind of thing for cold or flu medicine or antibiotics for infections. Oh, 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 but that's different, they would say, right? That's just to help me make me, make me feel better. Uh, okay, no, 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 wait, but, 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 but. Those are medicines that I don't have to keep taking. They're only temporary. Really. You say, so does that mean that those who have to have chemo for cancer are not really trusting in God? Those who need insulin are not really trusting God? Those who need blood pressure or cholesterol medication are not trusting God because they have to take it all the time? In fact, does that mean not only that they don't have trust in God, but the reason that they have to take the medicine is because they cause their own problem, it's sin? We could say that about a lot of things that are physical. There is some personal responsibility that exists in a lot of things physically. That doesn't mean that because of whatever our personal responsibility made it happen. Sometimes it's just genetics in your family, this is what's going to happen and there's a big chance. Whereas in my family, I'm not going to ever really worry. You know, people walk around talking about uh, uh, cholesterol. You know? I don't, have, I don't have that problem. Is that because I'm a real healthy eater? I like donuts. I, re- I do. I'm working on that because it's not the cholesterol part that bothers me with the donuts. Uh, But you know what? I'm not better than somebody because that just happened to be the way it is. And they're not worse because their family proclivity is, you know, they don't have to do anything. They eat well and still have a problem with cholesterol. These things happen. Recognize who we listen to as we deal with this. You know, it's true that we need to trust Jesus as our healer, which includes opening up a prayer to him before we open up the medicine cabinet. You catching that? I think that we do need to trust Jesus. Open up prayer before we open up our medicine. But Jesus can heal in so many different ways, which includes through the medical area where the wisdom and truth has been given from God who has blessed them with not only the wisdom but the skill because all truth is from God. All truth everywhere is from God. The Word of God tells us that. All truth. Not just spiritual truth. All truth is from God. So why is it we limit this discussion of Jesus healing so many times to just that which is physical? Well, Jesus healing is just physical. 
But then you really push someone and say, well, well, you know, Jesus is really only concerned about us spiritually. Jesus is not concerned about the rest of us. Jesus is only concerned about the, the spiritual part. And if that's so, then why do they even pray for all the other things in life? If Jesus is only concerned about the spiritual, then there's no point in praying for anything else, really. Why do we pray for all these other things? Because his love is concerned about the whole person that he has fearfully and wonderfully created, which includes our mind, our heart, our emotions, everything about us. He is concerned about it because that's what he wants back from us as well. The greatest command, the first command is what? To love the Lord your God with just your spirit, spiritual thing, but to love with all your heart. All your emotions, all your soul, all that is you, with all your mind. And so he's concerned not just about our body, but our mind. Because he wants that to be able to worship him. These voices that David hears and that oftentimes we hear sound an awful lot like Job's friends. We don't know about a particular person or what exactly they are going through or even why they're going through or what's going on in their mind. Even they may not know it. When we certainly do not want to neglect the grace and the mercy of God in what little that we do know, which is that we are imperfect and have been since the fall. And a consequence of the fall was that disease entered into the picture Not just physically, but mentally. We need to stop the slide further down, down into the pit, by not being down on ourselves that somehow we're not a strong enough Christian. The fact is we are all weak in some way. And that's not a bad thing. That doesn't necessarily mean that we lack faith. For example... Read in Second Corinthians chapter 12 about Paul, the great apostle Paul. In verse 7 of Second Corinthians 12. To keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me, but he said, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardship, persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Don't allow yourself to be spiraled down further into the pit because you're weak, because that is who we all are. And that is when Jesus can be strong. We can end up feeling worthless and negative, condemning ourselves with a false guilt that just starts that slide even further. Now, please, I want you to don't misunderstand. Don't read into what I'm not saying. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say it. In that there is a true guilt. There is a false guilt coming from many voices, but there is a true guilt. And it truly does get us down. 
as long as we don't turn away from what we know is wrong, what we know we should not be doing or thinking. Including things like we talked about at the very first of this fight for joy in January and February, which is forgiveness, bitterness, unforgiveness and bitterness that we need to let go of. This same David in Psalm 42 that is experiencing all this, that should not have be, be someone that's uh, being chided because of his faith or whatever. This same David that's in this pit here was also brought low into a pit of depression, so to speak, because of sin. As you read others, like Psalm 32, Psalm 51, as it's talking about it, he was brought down because of sin in his life. So it does happen, being aware, but not every pit of depression has sin at the bottom of it. We need to find ways of stopping the downward slide and help bring some light into our pit and actually then do something about that. Whether we feel like it or not, eating and sleeping and all those kind of things, just do it. It's true that you don't want to. It's true that you don't feel like it. It's true that you're not sure you can do it. It's truly where you are right now. But it is not the truth. And this is something that we've got to get in our lives. Because we consistently live by what is true to us in this moment. What is true? It's not false. It is true for me. It is the way I feel. It is what I'm thinking. But that does not make it truth. Because truth is that which is eternal. Truth is that which is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Truth is that which is consistent with the Word of God. And too often... We're not grasping the difference and we're living by how we truly feel instead of by how the truth really is. The truth that he wants that can help us stop the slide downward. But we don't just stop the slide down. It, it, it can't just stop there, so to speak. We've got to move on. And the next point is that we need to start the ride up further out of the pit. As much as we need to stop the slide down, there comes a point in time we also need to start that ride up, out of the pit. Verse 5 that we've been talking about where he says, uh, at least acknowledges how he's feeling. He says something else on top of that in verse 5 and verse 11. Why are you downcast so much so? Why so, so disturbed within me? But it doesn't stop there. He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He knows where he's at, but he knows he's not going to be there forever. That there is hope. He put his hope in God, because there will come time, I will praise him. Our tendency in a pit of depression is to just look down and be consumed with the darkness that is all around us at the bottom of this pit. And what David is doing is he's saying, you know what, I need to look up too. I need to look up and recognize that there is a light. As long as I look down, I don't see it. But when I look up, there is some light. There is some hope. There is a time where I will praise Him. To get our focus off of ourselves and look up at the Savior. 
there were those who were telling him and things they were saying that were pulling him down. Now he's talking to himself, trying to prepare for the write-up, saying, you know, why am I feeling this way? What's going on? And challenging himself, saying, there is hope. Hope in God. Don't listen to the enemy of your soul that's telling you other things. There is hope. No matter how deep you are in the pit, look up. Have a hope that does not give up. Even when thoughts of giving up on this life come. Don't walk so close to the abyss, the edge of the abyss. Seek out help. Especially when you start to enter these seasons of suicidal thoughts. To seek out the help. As the midst of the darkness around you, those that can help you to look up. Even for those who may or may not know, there, there are hotlines like 1-800-SUICIDE. It's a simple one to remember. Or uh, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-TALK. While as much as it may feel like me in the pit, in your life, there's nothing good, there's nothing going on. In fact, there's nothing that's ever been good. You talk to people who are in that pit, and it, it gets to the point, it's not just right now is bad. My life has always been bad. There is nothing that's ever been good in many ways. In verse 4, he tries to remind himself of something different than that. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the pressed of throng. He's not able to go right now because of the things that are happening in his life. He's not able to do this, but he can remember the blessings that God had in the past, that there were good times in the past. And that means that this same good God will bless with good times in the future. Not right this moment, but it will happen. Now, I recognize that sometimes reminiscing about the past can be harmful as well as helpful, depending on whether our focus is on ourselves or on God. But joy felt, David felt joy being together with others, worshiping God which should be kind of a clue of what helps us to go upward, to, to ride up, is to not give up meeting together with others in the worship of God, to come together. Oh, I don't feel like it. Yeah. But faith doesn't work that way. Faith does it despite what we feel like it. We just do it. Because that's the thing that's going to help us to ride up instead of, let us just continue to fall down into the pit by ourselves. We need to recognize that there are people around us, and, and if, if not, to find those friends who can, be, who, who can be real friends that you can be real with, and you can let them be real with you, which means to challenge you and say, put your hope in God, for you will yet praise Him. It's okay to not be okay when you walk through those doors. But it's also okay for us to be able to say to you, there will come a time you will be okay. Or you will be okay. And obviously there are those times where it's helpful 
as we're going through you know, major depression to have someone else experience a professional that can help us deal with these kind of things. But it's not just about talking to ourselves. Verse 9, verse nine. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? He's talking to God. And there's hope in this pit. If there's hope in pit at all, it is only from God. But unfortunately, you know, when you're in that pit of depression, you really don't want to hang around other people. You don't want to be with other people. Well, what can also happen is I really don't want to be with God. I just want to be with anybody. I, I don't. I just don't want to talk with God. Now, depending on where we're at in our Christian life, we think, oh, that's not the right thought. I know I shouldn't think that. So I'll just put that out of my mind. But the reality is we still don't be, we still are not being with God. It's just we're not actively doing it. We're just kind of passively never picking up the word of God and opening to hear from him. We're passively not being with God by never really praying and talking to him about what's going on in a real way like David is praying to him. We just don't do that. Am I not doing that? It doesn't help us to get the, to take the ride upward. Verse 9, it feels like God has forgotten him, he says. But he knows different. He knows it's been different. And, and please don't misunderstand that this is not some placebo, religious placebo that people say, you know what? You know what your problem is? You just need to read your Bible more and pray harder. Like that, that's going to be it. Oftentimes all that's doing is promoting religion. And yet the reality is there is a relationship. And a relationship does not exist by itself. A relationship exists by communicating with that person that loves us and that we should love them. And I'm talking about God. And how do we, how do we work that relationship? How do we find that strength in the relationship? By opening up the Word of God. And hearing from Him, not reading it because somehow that's a magic pill that we take, but by opening up and meeting the God who loved you with an everlasting love. By just going ahead and honestly talking with Him in prayer. The one who loves us and wants to help. The one that we should hunger and thirst for. The one, as verse 8 says, By day the Lord directs His love, at night His song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. In the midst of this pit, he he feels God directing his love. He senses at night that his song, God's song is with him. Because he stayed in connection with God. And he just cut it all off. Even as he mentions verse 6 about the lowlands of the Jordan and the highlands of the Hermon. Probably figuratively talking about those places that were were farther away from the temple in Jerusalem where God's manifest presence would have been sensed. And and that's where it's at. And so he's saying, listen, even when I am far away, far, far away from what seems like your presence, I know that you're still there. He recognizes in the valley or in the mountains, God is there. In the pit or not in the pit, we're not alone. Even though it feels true, truly it feels that way, it's not truth. Recognize that it's something so much more than that. You know, this true and truth and, and what we're saying and what we're thinking, we're in the pit. 
It would be like this. I can't believe nobody came to church today. Nobody came to church service. Obviously, nobody cares about God. I don't know what their problem is. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe that's why. No, no, wait, wait, wait. You know, uh, I know pastor's always saying we, we got to really check this, see whether it's, it's, this is true or truth. So I think I just need to look around. Okay. Uh, see, I was right. Nobody's here. Nobody cares. Everybody has a problem. Obviously, nobody cares about me. And that's the truth. This isn't just how I truly feel because I checked the facts. Did I? Is that truth or true? When we're down in that pit, we really feel not just it's true. Sometimes we really, really act. That's just the truth. That's the way everybody feels. That's the way everybody's uh, about me and doesn't want anything to do with me and nobody's there. Those kind of thinkings that we get in our head and gets fed more and more by the enemy of our souls. But it's not true. And one thing we know that definitely we can say this is not the truth. And that is that Jesus says in Matthew 28, Surely I am with you to the very end of the age. He says in Hebrews 13 verse 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. He says in Romans 8, 38 and verse 39, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor anything else in all the creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus like that song, Carrie Job, I am not alone. In the midst of deep sorrow, I see your light breaking through. The night, dark of night, will not overtake me. I am pressing into you. Lord, you fight every battle. Oh, and I will not fear. I am not alone. I am not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave me. There is hope, for I will yet praise God. And as we look up, we recognize that there is light. And not all of life is dark. There is hope. There is hope. Not that God is somehow going to come along and at the top of your pit reach down and pull you out. But there is hope that this God is going to come and enter the pit with you. He is there. Not at the top of the pit, but down in the pit with you. Oh, but I, I can't see him. It, it's just so dark. Well, it doesn't matter whether you can see him. It's what is truth. And he can see you. Psalm 39, verse 11 and 12. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. He clearly can see that he's right there with you and trying to get you ready to ride up. As we look at verse 11, as you put your hope in God for yet I will praise him. Here's the thing. There are two ways of seeing this. One is that there will come a time in the future where I will ride out of this pit and I will praise him. There is hope. I will persevere in fighting for joy because there's going to come a time where I will be with him outside of this pit. But as well in verse 5 and verse 11 as it's talking about a hope, it deals with a hope that is waiting upon God. It's not yet, but we can trust that it will be. We need to catch this, that when we're in the pit, see, hope deals with waiting. So when we're in the pit, it is possible to wait 
without hope. But it is never possible to hope without waiting. We don't like that, but there's a truth. Then he's just sink in for a moment. And then when it does, Psalm 40, verse 1 and 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on the rock and gave me a first firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. For I hope in Him, for I will yet praise Him. Ask that the worship team would come. Because that's what we want to do even now. Is to recognize that our hope is in Him. The one who is right there with us. He doesn't just want to lift us out, but wants to be there with us in the pit. As I said at the beginning, it may be that for some of you, you're like, I don't know, this doesn't apply to my life directly. I guarantee you, you pray now, God would bring somebody across your path. It will apply to somebody you can help in that pit. Help them to recognize, not just I will yet pray someday, but I will, I choose to, my will is deciding today, I will to praise the Lord even in the midst of the pit, because I want to ride up, not slide down in this pit. Father, work and move in us even in these moments. Help us to make right choices based on your truth. And the truth, most of all, is that we can hope in you.